Awesome. Welcome back, everybody, to the 215 Seamer Podcast. I'm Dylan Campbell, along with my co-host, Matt Kerwin. We have a very special guest today. It is Hunter Brody, Philadelphia sports media star, rising star, prince, however you want to say it. How you doing, Hunter? What's up, fellas? What's going on? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Oh, of course. We're going to have some fun today. Can't wait. Oh, yeah. So, so um, Matt, you can yeah. go for it. All you, all uh, you. Obviously, yeah. So the fir- first and foremost, obviously, Hunter, just to tell you a little bit about us, we're 215 Seamer Podcast. We're a Phillies and baseball podcast. We mostly focus on the Phils, you know, that's the most important part. So today we want to discuss a little bit about what's going on with the Phillies, you know, how you thought the trade deadline went. And, you know, where you see the team going and progressing, especially into hopefully another red October. Sure. So with the deadline, I'm going to say I'm a little bit underwhelmed, but I totally understand what Dave Dombrowski's doing. In a perfect world, based off their current position, if they pick up the same exact pitcher and then they added Duvall, I would have been like, okay, I like that. You go get your right-handed bat. You think about the outfield. I think that would have been very solid. Instead, they go for a younger and Mundo Sosa type. And, you know, I think Dave Dombrowski made calls to try and land that outfielder that we all kind of anticipated in the right side of the batter's box. But um, when it came down to it, Dave Dombrowski looked internally and realized that we got the talent here, right? It's about the ones in the room right now. And he's banking on them to be better. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen. Trey Turner looks so damn lost that I don't know if we're going to get a good version or not. But ultimately, I I lay it out like this. Let's say, hypothetically, they landed Duvall. If Duvall was good for Duvall's sake, whatever like a a solid Duvall would be, if he came in here and was that, but Trey Turner still sucked and JT was still slumping and Nick Castellanos is, is two for 60 or whatever it is at any ugly stretch, that doesn't matter about Duvall. But if Trey Turner could wake up and the rest can do their job, then you're in a good spot. So to summarize, I'm a little underwhelmed just because you you, you just get really, in my eyes, a, a starter slash reliever, which is an awesome combo with versatility. But it comes down to the guys that are here, man, the guys that get paid the big bucks. That's going to be the difference in getting to where we want to be or not, not the right-handed bat they missed out on in the outfield. So yeah, I'm that, interesting that's a great uh, point. part of it, what you're going to say, Hunter, with the team and how we're going in the direction, obviously we've won two against Miami and it's going well recently, right? They've been a little yes. shaky since the All-Star break. Say going into the series against the Royals, take tonight out of it. If you are Rob Thompson, what are you doing to the lineup? What are you saying to them to kind of get the guys that need to get going, going? I don't know if there's much more you could do at this rate. We're 100-plus games in. I'm sure he tried everything with Trey. I'm sure Kevin Long broke down 5 billion different angles of every single bad at-bat that he's seen and probably good at-bats, too. A very small amount that there are. I'm sure they said, look, this is what you're doing well this time around the block. But, yeah, I don't know what you can do. I'm a Kyle Schwarber at the top of the lineup guy, so I'm continuing that there. I'm not moving anything. I like Boehm in the two spot. I think they figured something out there. You know, you keep bracing his comfortability uh, position there in three or whatever. But, see, I I don't know. Uh, That's been a huge talking point all year, right? Why is Kyle at the leadoff, especially when there was the ugly times? Kyle Schwarber is either going to hit or not hit. Him hitting in the one hole or him hitting in the six hole or Trey in the one hole, Trey in the six hole. I think sometimes on the day-to-day, while there's things to point out with the with the lineup, that's not the difference in this team winning a billion games or not. So I don't know if Rob could do anything at this point. It, it's, it's on them. It's on the guys in the box. 
I don't know if any sort of lineup's going to change this team going to win a championship or not. That's a great point. You know, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff role, but I understand. Why? So let me let me ask why. Oh yeah, ask is it why. his batting average? Yeah, I'm a batting average guy, but his OBP, his OBP is the reason why I'm fine with him leaving there, and I agree with you. I think he it, it's absolute you're absolutely correct about the fact that whether he hits one, whether he hits six, whether he hits eight, it doesn't matter. He's either gonna hit or he's not gonna hit. I yeah. think you're absolutely correct about it. And I and I I do agree. Do I like it? No, but I'm fine with it. I'm gonna okay. deal with it, and that's that's where I'm at. But I agree, your point is the exact reason why I'm like, okay, I'm satisfied for the time being. But you know. Trey Turner, I'm glad they finally dropped him down in the lineup. I think that that he's the type of guy that you can drop down, and once he finds the confidence, finds his mojo, he'll he'll come back. And I think Boehm in the two spot, you know, Girardi tried Boehm in the two spot a couple of times when he was manager, and I thought Boehm really thrived in that spot, but they kept switching him back down lower. And I was like, that's a mistake because, you know, he's not Mike Schmidt. He's not that power third baseman you might want, but – I value him getting on base and getting hits in key roles and putting himself in a position where he can score runs. And, you know, Stadi needs to move up and Stadi also needs to face left-handers because it's really, it's, it needs, it needs to stop this. This is our big thing, Hunter. This is, this is what drives us just off the ball, the lefty righty Mm -hmm. thing. Does it do the same thing to you? Oh, what Stadi does. I don't like the idea of taking him out of the lineup so Josh Harrison can go grab some at-bats. So, yeah, I think that's silly. I mean, it's clear that he's one of your better hitters, and he's just so poised. It's crazy for him to be so raw in his MLB career and him work eight-pitch ABs, nine-pitch ABs. He's, you know, he's a tough out nonstop, and it's pretty damn remarkable. When he gets a hold of one, like, he has a, a little bit of pop in his bat. Not anything crazy, but he can get a hold of one. And, yeah, that bothers me. Uh, but in general, I understand the idea of wanting to split up your lineup because of the lefty relievers that can come in and do damage, unfortunately. No, yeah, that that is true. I, I think that, you know, speaking of relievers, I'm I'm still a little cautious about our bullpen. I like our bullpen. It's it's definitely been effective at times, but I feel like, you know, there's been a lot of people in this bullpen, these players that are just placeholders for our more injury prone guys, such as Sir Anthony and Alvarado. But I also thought it was such a mistake. You know, once Sir Anthony came up, I never understood why sending Bilotti down was was a move. Because I think Bilotti, yes, we overused him and his ERA kind of ballooned a little bit. But I think after his time back, I feel like he should have been brought back. He was such a cute person in that bullpen towards the end of last year and into this year. And I just think that he still has the stuff. I don't know whether he got, or not. Yo, yeah, he got hosed for sure in the beginning because – they were so desperate, and the way that he was they the only used- person shutting people down. Yeah, they used him so much, and because guys couldn't go the distance because of the way they handled starters for the beginning of spring training. I was talking to Ricky about it, and he was like, "Ricky, I was like, I don't even know if." Uh, if they prepared it all for spring training, I, I think they used the beginning of the regular season as spring training. And then when Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola could barely go any sort of length at all, now yeah. poor Bilotti sitting there getting abused. So that's unfortunately, I think he just got the short end of the stick and it, it just kind of is where it is at this point. Yeah, I know. And it's just like, to me, I'm just like, what does 
Dylan Covey have on this organization. I really I, like even after the deadline, you're still not going to send him down. You're still not going to DFA him. Like I know he had that really that oh, that good outing. He had the the last Just game he DFA'd, pitched. Uh, Vasquez today, keeping Covey. Yeah, yep. yeah. I don't understand what this man has on this team. I really I don't. It, it it is mind boggling. It doesn't make any sense why he should be here. It doesn't make sense why Bilotti's not up over him. It doesn't make sense why, you know. How about Brogdon? Can we get Brogdon to figure it back out? I That's mean, he's my kind of favorite reliever. See, he's got a nasty change up. You know, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Brogdon. I, I think he's, he's so you know, up and down. He's so up and down. He's young, and I felt like he was, you know, he never quite got the confidence to figure it out. Um, you know. He he, got, he had those moments, but when it started going four eight ERA, four nine ERA, it was just like you couldn't keep him up. He wasn't he was he was struggling in the limelight. Is something yep. that I feel like he he's had in particular. But I I really do feel like you know grabbing a bullpen arm at the deadline would have been was my personal that was my number one thing. I really wanted Scott Barlow and the fact that the Padre snagged him just for almost nothing. I really like the fact that the Royals gave him away for almost nothing makes me so mad. It just pisses well, me you off. You did get you did get a guy though that is interesting. Like this this is um it's just versatility if if we want to talk about what happened at the end of last year breaking down well you can go six-man rotation which it's what it seems like they're doing anyway and it's able to lengthen maybe some of these guys windows and you can go deeper one thing and, and I don't know if they have the same ceiling as last year right that was a miracle ride this team doesn't look like they're playing the same way as they did last year all that stuff but organizationally speaking they saw something last year they finally broke through and got somewhere but they mm -hmm. hit a wall. So then they're internally looking at it and going, okay, how do we get over this? What do we do differently? So the next time we get back, we're in a different position to succeed. That's what they got at the trade deadline, I think, is they uh, – now, whether they get back or not is a totally different story. But the logic and the thought process of we need to improve when we do get there, they're following certain steps that I think put them in a better position. And I have to acknowledge that right now. I, I don't know what this team is. I mean, we know it. They pull our, we pull our hair out every single night watching them. Cause you never know what version of the team shows up. The offense is quiet for eight damn innings. And then yeah. in the ninth, you squeeze by because they pull Alcantara out and they put in our good friend, David Robertson. So every time it's something different, but ultimately, you know, I think they're, they're looking at last year and learning and adapting and making moves that I think make sense. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that both of the moves that they made made all the sense in the world they weren't bad moves like i i i understood i understood the assignment is basically what i what i would put this trade deadline as like the theme of that and you know yes i would have i agree with you i would would have would have wanted a, a righty bat i would have went i personally wanted them to go more if they were staying in the al central more chicago white Sox. i really like the fact that eloy was getting played around in there because i really think eloy is someone who is doing well and could use a change of scenery, very much so. And I thought that that was someone they could go after if they wanted to go a little bit higher than Duvall, you know, someone with a little more extra team control and whatnot. But, you know, I'm very happy with the moves. I think this team, as it's constructed right now, can can do it. You know, I, I think I'm just hoping for a little more consistency with Bryce Harper at first base so that the lineup can actually operate in the way it should be for the first time in almost two years now. And yeah, I, just, I don't know if that I don't know if that's going to happen though. I, I don't know if this is a a Phillies thing, if it's a Rob thing. It, I reasoning? get a sense. 
Why I is get he a not sense every day? It, I, I get a sense it's a Bryce thing. I think yeah. this is a Bryce thing. He doesn't feel very comfortable out there to do it every single day. And uh, it started out hot, right? It started out like, oh, this guy's going to be fine. And then over the last few games, the last, uh, what, three, four, five days or so, we've seen mm-hmm. a couple of uh-ohs. Like he's going over to Bryson's side when he probably should go over to first. And, you know, that's all part of the learning experience. You'd be naive if you think you'd go out there and there'd be no learning curve. But I, I think it's a Bryce thing. I don't know how well he feels, how well his body's reacting to being back out in the field every day and all that uh, that that's what I'm getting. I'm, I'm not being told that or anything, but just watching and, and kind of reading the tea leaves or whatnot kind of seems like it's him. Yeah, no, it definitely seems like fatigue has set in a little bit at times. And he's even said that like, that's, that's what the message I I feel has been coming out is that the fatigue and just, you know, not having his legs under him proverbially, you know, is really what's hurting him here and there because, you know, he, really has only needed to use his legs for a few trots around the bases the past year and a half. So that's, you know, and and I think that the power numbers, you know, will they come back this year? I don't know. I think that Bryce has a possibility of actually getting, you know, maybe the 10 home runs by the end of the season. I think that's definitely a possibility. What's he sitting at now? Five or six? Five or six, I think, is where he's at right now. Five. But the clutch hits have been great. You know, you come in last night yeah. in the ninth and you have a double off the wall. I think he had one, maybe a game or two before in the ninth. It, it still feels like, I want to hear, what do you think, Hunter? The the flammability, so to speak, of Bryce Harper could just go off in October and the power could just resurge and come back. It is a little frustrating. You're like, damn, man, why do you only have five bombs? But if you're squaring the ball up well and hitting it well, do you think he can just catch fire again in October. I can't rule it out because it's Bryce Harper. It's like Kyle <laughs> Schwarber, right? If you're on the pitch, if you're on the mound and you're pitching, I don't care if Kyle Schwarber's offers last 98. He's yeah. got the potential of barreling it up and it could be a three run bomb. Even if he is sucked for a little bit of time. Now Bryce hasn't sucked. I'm just saying, you know, as an example of the threat of one, Bryce Harper can absolutely flip at any point. Same with Nick Castellanos. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the All-Star break, he's been pretty quiet and very similar to last year, flailing at pitches that are off the plate and you know where to go. It cracks me up. I don't know why I'm throwing anything but one thing. I'm using it off speed and I'm throwing it five inches off the plate and I'll probably get him swinging at it looking like a fool. So that's what I would be doing. But just like we saw, Nick Castellanos can get a hold of one. But I, I'd also have to put into account here that uh, he is human. I know it seems like he's not, but he is human. There's got to be a correlation between having the Tommy John and the lack of power with someone that has a resume oh, like him. has to so, be. I, you know, be. I, 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 I wouldn't be shocked because it is him, but at the same time, I, I, I understand. Have to, yeah, I, I, I have to give him that kind of free pass. And, and while he's doing this, he's – smoking what 290 288 to whatever it's like yeah. we sit here and it's like oh but then you'll i don't know i don't know how to use batting average though because trey turner is hitting what 240 ish and like 240 in 2023 it's not even that bad of a batting average and nick last year was hitting in the 260s but he was miserable but 260 is actually a good batting average in 2023 so I, that's why i can't even utilize batting average anymore it feels See, worse, though. It feels worse with Trey. No, it no. Does. It, it does. It does. Because he's it hitting. It feels like he's hitting 132. Mm-hmm. Crazy. What a I world. know. I know. What a world we live in. Because honestly, like the fact that 240 could ever be considered a good batting average is ridiculous. Dude, we're sitting here, and I'm one of them. 
Give me Schwarber any day of the week in my leadoff spot. He's hit 170. I love I it. I Let know. me ask you that. I want to get back to it because this is what pisses me off a little bit about these Kyle Schwarber haters. All right. Let me ask you a question. Do you think – all right, let's go to Christopher Sanchez. Would you have pulled Sanchez in a no-hitter? I know he hit a lot of guys, whatever. Five innings, 70-something pitches. Did you think Rob made the right decision to yank him there? Would you give him another chance? No, I, I would I would let him I would let him go. And if he worked himself into a jam, I'd still let him work out of it because okay. like, that's the type of manager I would be. Right. I, yeah. I, I'm the same way. But I, I guess I don't even know that's a good example to throw out there. But are, are you pro, pro analytics, anti analytics? Because most people I'll lay it out this way. Most people that hate Schwarber leading off are like, oh, I need a traditional guy up at the top, speed, steel bases. And they love, you know, they want Stott up there, steel bags, Turner up there, steel bags. They like the, uh, you know, the the way that it once was, I guess, kind of thing back there. But they they hate analytics and they, they hate when managers use their gut. And going with Schwarber is going with your gut. It's like, I'm, yeah, I'm not is. going with the numbers. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing, you know, all this. I'm going with what feels right with this team. And all the people that hate Schwarber up at the top would probably love a manager that says, well, I'm going with whoever I want in the pen. And I don't care about a lefty lefty. And I don't care about this. I'm doing whatever works and whatever feels right. And that's what's going on with Schwarber. Yet those people hate it. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. So for me, hard, I'm a though. bit of both. I'm a bit of both. Because like yeah. to be honest, you know, I didn't want to take personally after last year, I didn't want to take Schwarber out of the top of the lineup. I wanted him to be in the two hole okay. because I wanted those leadoff solo home runs to be two run home runs with Turner in the leadoff. You could tell that's, you could sell me that. That is exactly that. like when I made, you know, when I was coming into this season making my lineup, I was like turner schwarber all day every day it has to be that and then you get harper and then you get castellanos and then you you round it all out with you know jt bohm stott you know marsh and then um whoever we have left at that point you know what i mean like that was my lineup going into the season i was like this is what i want because Schwarber's RBIs are immediately going to go up more runs will be scored getting a 2-0 lead versus a 1-0 lead is going to be Vast, mean vast, vastly more in the long run. And that was exactly what I wanted. I was never against having him in the top of the lineup. I just don't like him in the leadoff because I want to maximize the home run potential and mm. the RBI potential. That's mm -hmm. what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So to get into it, I'm uh -huh. a mix of both. Uh -huh. You can uh -huh. say, you can think you cornered me here, but uh -huh. you did not. Well, it's okay. just tough optically when you see a guy who's hitting under 200 and not to be the batting average fanatic and he's leading off. But I do get what you're saying, Hunter. And there's almost a bit of like mysticism go with your gut because either Schwarber is going to hit or he's not. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking it doesn't really matter if there's men on base. It doesn't matter who's in front of him, who's behind him. He's going to hit a bomb or he's going to strike out or he's going to walk. And that's a pretty true after like the last couple of years of his career. That's what he does. He's like a yep. three outcome guy. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> he's like Adam Dunn kind of. So. You, you know what's funny about this whole thing, though? And we can move on. We have other stuff or whatever. But the Schwarber thing's always fascinating with people. Um, I don't think one person in that clubhouse cares at all. The only yeah. people that actually hate it are the fans. There's yeah. not one guy in that room that wakes up every day and goes, I cannot believe Schwarber's laid it off. 
I, I just, I'd be shot. I'd be stunned. There's no way even Scott wakes up and goes, you know, I deserve to be in the leadoff. I'm a leadoff guy. They're like, dude, Swarms is our guy. He's one of our big leaders. Let's go have that and have some, have some big softball hacks. I mean, that's what the guy is. So everyone who's outraged and pissed is everyone who doesn't even matter to the, uh, to the guys that are actually doing it every single day. I just find that, you know, kind of ironic about the whole thing. No, no, you're right about that, because yeah. honestly, it's just it, it really is. There are certain opinions, you know, perspectives on the team. That are literally just that people who are having their own opinions or perspective on the actual team. It's not like the team actually feels that way, yeah. which is the whole point why Dombrowski, you know, he was dealt that he, he constructed this, you know, this this roster and he's you know he's doubling down on it and this is something that he's been known to do yes he's made you know when he was with the tigers he made big splashes but then you know to keep those going for like two three years he doubled down on a lot of a lot of the things and a lot of the moves that he did and it panned out and never won the world series with them unfortunately but you know it definitely yeah, worked out. Su- yeah, sustained success for the Tigers is not something that most people walk in there and do. So Yeah, exactly. Sure. Exactly. And that's something that, you know, this city craves with its teams. You know, the Eagles, ever since they won the Super Bowl, sustained success. They've always been – I mean, people will go to a game even if they're 0 for 16. And it's, you know, that's just the way that we are when it comes to the birds. But, you know, when it comes to the other teams, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers – you need to have sustained success to get people to come out to, to this, like, you know, from 2013 to, you know, 2017, 2018, you weren't seeing 45, 46,000 people in the stands, even Even at opening day, even at opening day, even last summer, you know, you weren't seeing it. Like you might, you know, even well, last summer you might've gotten, you know, since 2019, since the Harper signing, you obviously would see, you know, a good amount, 25, 20, you know, to 30, maybe a little over 30,000 consistently, but you weren't going to see what you've been seeing this season. And, you know, what you saw on the playoffs on like a daily basis. I mean, 81 games, that's a lot. Yeah, that, it was that's electric. a lot. And electric. It's, it's electric to be here, you know, and that's something that, you know, I'm really happy that Dombrowski has really, you know, built for us. And I love Preston Mattingly in the farm system. I think he's done a great job with them. And I, I personally, I really want to keep building the farm system, you know, losing Lee in the in the Lorenzen trade like that kind of sucked. But I understood because he was blocked. He was he was going to be ready in a couple of years. Stott's going to still be here with a couple more years of team control after that. So it was really, you know, having he would be a waste on a base because I I, I do think that how you Lee is going to be a top tier second baseman in the major league someday. I really do think that I think that yeah, his, I'm always his, selling my prospects for proven talent all the time. Yeah. He may he may he may be he may be but um, the Tigers need him and he would play for sure. the Tigers. So sure. <laughs> that's yeah, the thing. I, I mean, for me, it's like you move Lee's of the world for deadline moves like that. That Those are the type of prospect you, Andrew painters. Those are different things. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and even now, like I, I never wanted to move Sixto Sanchez. Cause I'm like, this guy's going to be outrageous. Well, where the hell has he been? Right. So I've been more willing to move on from certain guys that are in that Sixto Sanchez, Andrew painter type of mode, but guys like Lee, I'll, 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 drive them to the airport myself because I look I mean it doesn't mean they won't be uh, contributing guys somewhere in major league baseball but um you got to make your team better at the deadline and those guys you you can find another Lee prospect I, yeah you know 100 I, mean? I, I, yeah. I think not that will. he's bad not that he, I, I 
I actually did read up some some good stuff about him, and it's like, hey, what are the Tigers getting now? Granted, you want to try and sell positivity, I'm sure, when yeah. when you're a Tigers media member. It's like, hey, this is the guy we got back. And, you know, you look for the strengths and whatnot and all that. But, you know, there's some good stuff in there and all. But ultimately, those guys, you you move on for sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Do you um do you think that the Phillies make the playoffs? I do. I do. I don't think it's going to be fun, though. And that's the problem no, with no. the whole sustained success thing. If this is what our version of sustained Philly success is for the next five years, I won't make it. I, I won't make yeah. it. They need to be the Atlanta Braves. They need to be the Houston Astros. I'm not settling for this garbage all the time. Last year was fun, but the Milwaukee Brewers had to suck down the stretch. You weren't really good either. You snuck on in and all that stuff. And granted, there's going to be an extra wild card team and all that. And everything lined up for you. And, and some of this stuff isn't going away. So if it's there, you take advantage of it. But I want the Phillies to be great. I don't want the Phillies to be a team that I hate. And then here's the October run, and we like them for a month. I want to like them all summer. So I don't yep. know how they get to that point, but I do think they get in. I do think they find a way. I don't know if you can duplicate last year's madness. We'll find out. Uh, it might be a little bit shorter of a fall, if you will. But I do think they get in. I, I need with this is a longer view, though, longer vision. Yeah. I need them to, to be legit. I can't have them be in this group of guys that we can't stand on a night to night basis. It's not okay with me. That's what I want to ask you about because mm -hmm. I have this fear in the back of my head that in three, four years we stink. And I don't know if that's unfounded, but do you think we have tools to be legit in five years? You know, when Painter and Abel are good and going. See, now, if the Wheeler and Nola thing end up moving on at some point, which it, it probably is, Painter, Abel, McGarry, th those guys are going to have to fill those shoes. With that, where's the Schwarber contract at that point? Not here. Where's that Nick contract at this point? Not here. You're getting a back end of Harper five years from now. You're getting a back end of Trey Turner at that point. Yeah, five years down the road. This is why you have to maximize where you are right now and move on from the Lees of the world and whatnot is, you know, they're, they're in that 30 range, late 20, early 30 range. Now's the time. Five years yeah. from now, you're in a huge different spot. Your big name stars are mid-30s, could be 36, 35. At that point, it's on someone else that you're you're selecting in the draft the the new wave of Alec Boehm and Bryson Stotts need to be starting to get filtered in here and Stott and Boehm need to be where Bryce Harper is now kind of thing now, I don't know if you could live up to those expectations but if we think that Bryson Stott could lead the league in batting average well then he needs to be that level of dude and if Boehm's going to be a RBI machine he's going to need to be that for four years in a row and and really help to be that and then the veteran older mid-30 guys will will be more of the complimentary piece and that's where you would have to be in my eyes if that's the way I see this team being competitive five years down the road but right now I think we got to focus on yeah. what this core is currently because they're in that thick of their prime like they're year each year that goes by I don't think they're getting much better from those guys. Like they're in the, they're at the top of their ceilings right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I, I agree. I think that that's, you know, it's really going to be about how the youth complement the veteran. I think that, you know, a lot of the pieces that we've actually drafted, you know, our top five prospects, you know, I think that Justin Crawford is definitely going to make an impact. You know, I think that, 
you know, we have Brandon Marsh, we have Christian Pache, who can definitely, I think Christian Pache is going to take off, you know, once, you know, he heals from his little Frankenstein injury with the nail in his arm and whatnot. But, you know, honestly, we snagged like so two really great outfield pieces in the last two seasons with Pache and Marsh. I think that they are going to be, you know, huge pieces for the future five years from now. I think that, Brandon Marsh that, for sure. I don't know what Pache is, unfortunately. I mean, I know he started out hideous and then he found his groove a little bit with Kevin Long. I, you know, I don't know where that goes with him, but Brandon Marsh for sure, I think is is a legit weapon and definitely. I don't know if he's gonna be uh, at this point uh, left field more with with how things are being shaken up or whatever. That's but. what I'm hoping happens. Actually, like I hope that you know he does move to left field, like. Personally, I, I want him to move to left field and then you put Pache in center because Pache in center is just like his fielding's unreal. Like having Pache in in like the nine hole or the eight hole turning over the lineup and being an like hitting 300, which he's been doing, you know, like that would be if we got that consistently. Well, if he hits that would, 300, that would be a different yeah. ballgame. You might yeah, be a no, little no, higher. I, you might be a little <laughs> higher on Pache than I am, but no, if, I am. Well, I mean, he's currently scenario. He is currently hitting 300, and that's the I, thing. Like, I, I want I, – I know it's limited. I know it's limited. Experience. You know, and everyone gets on me for this. I'm a big Pache supporter. I really have a lot of faith in the guy. I really do. Seems He's my guy. The guy. I mean, Ranger and Pache are my two favorite players on this team, honest to God. Wow. You're – hold on. I can't just let that slide. It's true. Uh, no, there's not a lot to like on this team. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I, I don't like a lot of guys. They're, they're, they kind of annoy me, this group. But how are you going to say that Christian Pache is one of your favorite players on this team? Right now, I I, I really do feel that way. I think that I like the way that he Crazy. plays. I like the way that, you know. Over Bryson Stott. You're telling me that you enjoy Pache over Bryson Stott. I can't allow no, you no, to say that. that no, I no, no. Oh, see, see, I mean, yeah, like, listen, I have, a, I, have, I have a top five. I have a top five. I can have a top five. I'm not saying that they are like, you know. In any order, but no, Bryson Stott is definitely one of my favorites. I, you know, I, I love Alec Bohm and I love Marsh. I think those five guys, you know, Ranger, Pache, and interesting you know, list. I know it's an interesting list. Interesting it's, list. it's controversial, but like, yeah. you know, and I have nothing against the stars, but I like the guys who are playing well that aren't making 20, 25 million, 30 million. Like, I appreciate that because I just, ex- I expect. The thirty million dollar guys to always be good, and I'm always going to be happy that we have them, and very thankful for that. But it's just you know, I I I like seeing when the young guys who are who are performing and growing, and you see that growth. Like I like the potential and meeting the potential. I like that aspect of baseball, and I like you know good base writing. I like you no, know the, you're, you're watching the wrong you're watching the wrong team. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm not you're saying that the, the Phillies wrong, you're watching the wrong team. But the <laughs> thing is Pache Pache is, is a like, good to not run the bases like a child can someone yeah. like well, geez, dude. I, I, right, well, what do you mean like a child? Like Kyle Schwarber looks like a, a baby with a, an adult's head running around Kyle the Kyle Schwarber's the greatest baseball player to ever live. I won't take this slander. <laughs> He's the greatest baseball player to ever live. You have your take, I'll have my take. I like my take. That's fine. And we'll live. We'll live in. Like, we'll live in I the like same world, take. but we'll, we'll be we'll be living in different realities. Sure. That's what it is. That's cool. That's funny, but nah. Um. Yeah. Schwerber great on the bases, dude. He's like. Uh. It's crazy to me that he's literally that that older gentleman 
who was probably like a union electrician who wears a high-vis shirt, like a nice high-vis shirt, and goes and plays men's league softball. Yeah. But he does that in major league baseball. Like, he he legitimately he gets to guy. play out that dream that we all do at the local field at 8 o'clock <laughs> under the lights on a Friday drinking beer out of a cooler. And he gets to do that for millions of dollars at CBP and all these packed barns. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. No, it is. It, it is hilarious. I mean, you know, being – you know, coming up as like the next Babe Ruth or whatever. Cause I, re- I remember it's like, he looked like Babe Ruth. He would hit like Babe Ruth and he would like trot around the bases like Babe Ruth. Have you ever seen like an old video of a Babe Ruth just like oh, running yeah. around the base? Imagine him catching. I can't, I couldn't imagine him catching. I've all. seen some footage of him from Indiana when Indiana, he was playing yeah. there and he was catching. And I'm just Gosh. like, this dude, like, I-, I wonder what his pop time was. I really do. <laughs> like, that's the oh, one geez. thing that I want to know. Because if you good. had to get stuck in game seven of the World Series, all right, you're at CBP, it's game seven. Mm-hmm. You can only choose between these two left fielders, Kyle Schwarber or Reese Hoskins. Who are you putting out in left field? Kyle, uh, Kyle Schwarber. You cannot put okay. Reese in the outfield. Right. I'm glad. I mean, I'm I would. First of all, first of all, if you said that to me and then was like Bryce Harper or Reese Hoskins at first, I'd still put Bryce Harper at first. Like me too, because that's me? yeah, because it's Bryce Harper. I, I, I would put probably... Cody Clemens at first. Over We're Reese not Hoskins. huge on Reese. Yes. I know oh, I'm well, very silly. anti. I'm well, very anti. How are you anti? You see how many problems we have to worry about Christian Pache and the, the right-handed batter's box because Reese isn't here. He Pache hits bombs. the home runs when he needs it. Oh, my God. You see, we're in the predicament we are now because there's no <laughs> Reese Hoskins. You I can't mean, be anti-Reese. I mean, I, I am. I'm very much How so are you hoping. Anti? I'm hoping that, you it's know, the either Jake starts with the defense. defense. Oh, yeah. But when you, you can make up for that if you hit 30 bombs. Nah, it's not going to cut it. Oh, my. But Cody Clemens cuts it. Well, fielding wise, yeah. But he can't hit it. I mean, the question was putting him on defense, not well, on offense. Well, that's part of the game. <laughs> I mean, when they're in the game, they're in the game. Oh, no. That's true. That's true. That's true. No, 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 but like I, I mean, I, I just wish that we had a more capable first baseman, a more well-rounded first baseman. I don't I'll like take Reese any day of the week. I mean, I don't like the one-sidedness. You know, that's just really what it is. I put Schwarber at first over Reese. I mean, that's really what it is. I think we're seeing how hard first base is. So I, I will cut Reese some slack because you do that. I You're put, but I no, put but... Oh, oh, all jokes aside. Although I, I got to give Boehm a lot of credit. I rip him to shreds because I want more power from him. Yeah. But um, he has been tremendous over at third. The, you go back to two years ago and where he is now. Ooh. He's incredible defensively. Old that jump. Yeah, he, he he has made tremendous strides at third. So I don't know if I'm as willing now as I once was. But um, if you told me Boehm slid over to first and and that was and you go get like a Nolan Arenado or something like that, if that's yeah. what they were to do, I'm sure, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I could live with Boehm being your first baseman down the road, and maybe that ends up happening one day. I'll, you know, I don't know what this Reese situation is with what money he's going to get with this injury, and I, I don't know if if him returning is even in play. I, I have no idea, but um, it'll be it'll be well. I guess Bryce is is your answer, but yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. There's too yeah. many things going on at this point. Got to focus on them right now. Yeah, that's true. Team drives so, me nuts. So, so Hunter, what is next for you since you know post fanatic? You know what what is what is going on with Broads Media? What's what's uh, the next takeoff? 
so basically I'm just keeping my head down and attacking and doing my thing. When I started this back in about 2017 or so, I had one idea in my head and that was, you know, enjoy the ride, embrace it. Everyone has in this industry, everyone has their own paths. This is yours. Keep your head down and, and just enjoy wherever it goes. So for me, I'm just going to continue to do what I've always done because it's it's been fun doing that. And uh, I've had a lot of different stops along the way. And I can't wait to see what's next. But ultimately, I'm just continuing to do my post-game shows and uh, uploading everything there on YouTube and on the podcasting platforms and pumping out social media and TikTok and Twitter and you name it. And uh, just grinding, man. Just grinding. Well, we're big for We're we are big fans of you here okay. at 215 Seamer Podcast. I follow all your social media. I know Dylan does too. So um, we just wanted to say thank you for coming on to the podcast. And, you know, real quick before you go. Sure. When the Phillies make the World Series this year, mm-hmm. who are we playing? Hmm. Who are we playing? Are we playing... Which American League team are we playing? I was, I was going to say, do do we do we do we go back to the beginning of the year? Do you remember how the the year started? Mm-hmm. Sour taste in your mouth. Yeah. Oh, oh. A little sour taste in your mouth, and now you you see the New York Mets who are a disaster. By the way, they start <laughs> sending guys away, and one happens to land down there. Maybe maybe that's our matchup. Maybe we get redemption on the way the season began. That'd be nice. Or do we get a little rematch with Houston? Okay. Okay. There you go. What what what's your pick? What do you got? Uh I'm I'm a big believer in history repeats itself. I'm thinking 1983 rematch, Baltimore, Philadelphia. That would be fun. That would that would, that would be, really be cool. so much that fun. Would be, that would be fun. I, I look, I'm I'm not big on other teams or whatever, but some stories you grab onto, and it's pretty damn cool to see Baltimore have some life. Yeah, it is. Oh Especially my God, in yeah. a division like that right now. We're like, oh, these, yeah. the, the Yankees are in the la- are in last place. I know. Who would who would ever thought that that would happen? The Yankees and Red Sox being like bottom of the barrel of the AL East. Both, everyone in there is above 500, but still bottom of the barrel. It's amazing, dude. It's amazing. But yeah, I think it could be Texas. You get yourself a little rematch with how the season started. No more Spencer Howard there. The Yankees are taking a shot on him. That velocity's (laughs) going to dip six miles per hour when he runs the first base. I don't know. Never seen anything like it. Except I guess I have with Taiwan Walker, but he knows how to handle it, I guess. Crazy. It's wild. Taiwan is just one of those pitchers that it looks like he's just throwing the ball down the middle or in the dirt every time. But he's just like pepper. And I think that he must have a science to it because it just looks like he's peppering the outside and he's just getting all this weak contact from everyone. Yeah, he's he's just like a pro, you know, he's like a exactly. middle of your he's a middle of your rotation, like three or four who just knows how to be a professional hitter. It's a couple guys who are on base. All right, I'll get out of the jam. Like he's just a, he's just like a pro, you know, he's just a middle of the, the road pro. It's awesome. You need those guys. It is. You know, it, it makes the contract that we gave him that much more valuable in my eyes. Because so I was just like, did we overpay for this guy originally? It felt like, that no. way in the beginning. It, it, it did <laughs> feel that way in the beginning. But I'm just like, no, nah, this guy, he's meeting my expectations. He's actually exceeding my expectations from the beginning. Yeah, he's about what I – yeah, this is this recent run is about what I thought Taiwan Walker would be for sure. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, guys, I appreciate it. I, mean, I had a lot of fun for sure. It's always fun talking Phil's and um, anytime, reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us. We'll definitely reach out.
All right. You have a great rest of your day. And to everyone listening, thank you for listening to the 215 Seamer podcast. Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you're at at this time zone listening to us. Thank you.